I'm glad. Um, and I know he enjoyed my company this afternoon. I was bored to death, uh, but um, he clearly enjoyed me. No, no. I seriously, um, I just want to thank you again for having me, Pastor Will and Desiree. Um, I, I've, I've been ministered to so much um, just being here uh, this weekend, leading into, I've shared this briefly this morning, but leading into Sunday, I just felt God really grab a hold of me and speak to me Friday, Saturday, keep me up at night speaking about you as a church. I've had to um, add to and alter my message as I continue to get downloads leading into this Sunday. And I shared a bit of my heart this morning and I want to continue to minister into this tonight. And um, so I just want to thank you as a church because clearly you're, you've positioned yourself in such a way where God is um, a, a kind of, or I feel, really fervently advancing um, His plan for you in this season. And even this weekend, I think something significant is happening. And so um, I'm claiming that with you. Um, your pastor is so full of vision that I nearly resigned and came down this weekend. Uh, <laughs> but nearly, nearly. Nearly. Um, then I remembered I have a wife and kid, and or kids in Auckland, not kid, kids in Auckland, and I better go back. So, um, no, I'm pretty excited about tonight. So let me share with you. Let's pray and let's get into tonight, and um, let's see what God does. Amen. Thank you again for coming back if you're here this morning. Whew, must have done all right. <laughs> Father, we thank you for tonight. Thank you for such a special environment, your church. And God, I thank you that tonight we meet here um, full of purpose about what you have for this city. And God, we bless your name tonight. Lord, I need your presence. I even take a moment now. We open our hearts, God. Speak to us. Inspire us. Lord, let vision cause us to rise. Father, let us, um, Lord, access even a bit of vision tonight, God. Every heart, every person, understanding their part in the vision, Lord, to reach this city and see this nation one for Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Thanks, guys. You can go grab a seat. I'll call you up soon, Ben. That'd be awesome. Fantastic. Um, so... Let's talk tonight because, like I like I said this morning, I really um, this, this morning I hope that you felt a little um, equipped and and enlightened about your world. And tonight, I just want to minister into what I believe a heart attitude would would. Um, what you would need in your heart to go out and make a difference in your world. And um, I've really got a vision, and I've, it's a real burden of mine to see something significant take place in New Zealand. And, and as I flew in um, this Friday, um, this last Friday, into Dunedin, I just felt a real sense inside my heart that God is wanting to do something quick in this season. And I'm saying, God, come on, do it in me, Lord. Do it in us. Here's a church here, willing, ready. Here's a people willing and ready. Uh, Jesus always taught his disciples to dream big and believe big about reaching masses of people. He always did. And I want to tell you what we're about here. I want to tell you why we meet and, and why Pastor Will and Desiree were called down here, why you're called to, to serve alongside them, serve with them, and why they're called to serve with you. I want to show you, I want to give you a bit of an insight as to why God has saved your life and what He's doing. Amen? Um, Luke chapter 5, verse 1 to 11. Read it in your own time, but it's an insight into, into what God has for us. Jesus gives Simon Peter a vision of reaching um, net break, a net-breaking catch. 
So Jesus is teaching. He hadn't yet called Simon Peter at this point, but he's teaching um, on the lakeside. And then he, so many people are gathering. He's got to push out to water. So he takes one of the guy's boats, and it happens to be Simon Peter's, and he, he pushes out into water, and, and Jesus teaches. And at the end of the teaching, he says to Simon Peter, look, throw your net over for a catch. And Simon Peter's like, oh, man, it's been a long night. We're just washing the nets. and But... Because you say, look, we'll do it. And so he does it. And a picture of what happens is awesome because he pulls in such a catch that the net starts to break. And he's got to call over other fishermen to help him. And Jesus, and, and he's like, oh, Lord, I'm sorry that I doubted. I'm sorry I didn't think about it. But, but what happens is Jesus speaks into it. And he says, now, look, leave this. Follow me. And I'll cause you to catch fish like that. And so Peter starts his journey with God with a vision of catching fish with Jesus as going to be like this net-breaking, system-breaking, because the net was the system in which they caught fish, and he would catch so much. So he knew he would catch so many people. He'd draw in so many people that systems would break. And I, wanna, I, wanna, I want you to think about the fact today that God is calling you in into a move of God where systems would break, would, would break where it would define logic. And it would require emergency help from other churches to bring in the catch. That's what happened with Peter. That's how Peter's journey started. And I really feel that God is wanting to take you and remind you of what you're a part of and what he's wanting to do. God is wanting to bring in thousands of people right here in Dunedin. I mean, there's 120 odd thousand people in Dunedin. Come on, what's to say we can't have a church of 1,000 and then 5,000 and then 10,000? There's that many people here. God wants to reach there. And that's the, see, I get the ones, right? Because I was a one who was individually reached. And I felt the, the intimacy of relationship and fellowship. And, 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 I, and we, I see the one being gone after in the Bible. But I also read in the Bible where God desires to see multitudes reached in a sweep. Multitudes. The Bible says in the book of Joel that there are multitudes upon multitudes in the valley of decision. And God knows the one and he wants us to know the one, but he also sees the multitudes. And when are we going to be a church that rises up in faith? Not just the pastors or the leadership team, but every single one of us knowing that the plan of God is for multitudes. The heart of God is for multitudes. You know, in John chapter 4, Jesus stands just outside a Samaritan town. And you've got to understand a Samaritan, this Samaritan town was hostile to anything Jewish in. But he stands at the out, outskirts of this town and as the town has rushed him because he had just spoken into and seen a, a, a Samaritan woman saved and she'd gone back and called out the city. And as the city's rushing towards him, he turns to his disciples and he says, look into the harvest. It's white. Look into the fields. It's white unto harvest. And I feel this is really prophetic for your church. 
Because you've got to understand, they would have understood at that point when he said, the fields are white unto harvest. The picture is, when the fields were that ready unto harvest, all you needed to do to actually see things happen was just walk and brush the stalks, just walk amongst it and just brush the stalks, and then the kernels would fall off. You could harvest. That was the easiest time to bring in the harvest because it was so ripe, so ready. It was actually at the verge of just falling off and being wasted, and, to, and the kernels falling off would, would just happen by brushing up against it. And I even feel prophetically God would say to you as a church, individually, listen to me today, look into the fields. They are white unto harvest. They are white unto harvest. You would need only just to brush up against them, and you would see the effects of God moving in your city. You just need to get amongst it. It's white unto harvest. A city that was historically and up until that point hostile against anything Jewish. Jesus sees them rushing out towards them. And he says they're white unto harvest. Come on, we can see great multitudes come to know him. But how do you view your city? How do you view your city? Do you view it as white unto harvest? that ready or do you just or do you just remember a people hostile against everything christianity anything church is that how you think about it because he was saying look i know that we don't go into in amongst samaritans we don't we don't get in here and they don't like us coming through but look at them pour towards me it's white unto harvest come on some of us need to change our perception about the state of the harvest. The issue isn't the state of the harvest. The issue is our mindset towards the harvest. Are you with me tonight, church? The issue isn't the harvest. You know, there's so many things happening with ISIS around the world and and terrorism and bombings and people turning away from church and and viewing the church as irrelevant amongst these complex times. But I say, man, and and, and I've, I've heard Christians say, oh, it's terrible times. And sure it is, but I think that's the greatest opportunity for the church to arrive. Light is most needed when it's the darkest around us. And I've spoken to that this morning. But again, change your perception. The issue isn't how bad the harvest is. Come on. Some of us are praying in despair about how bad our family are and how bad the world is and how bad our city is. And God's saying, yeah, I know. That's why I've put you there. That's why I've put you there. He's like, yeah, that's why you're there. So come on now. How do you view the harvest? How do you view where God's put you? It's white unto harvest. Some of us just right now just need to brush up against people in our community. We just need to start building some new relationships. You know what the issue was? One of the key issues with the Pharisees is that they didn't break routine. They never broke out of routine relationships. They never brushed up against a harvest that was white ready. And some of us just need to go outside of our existing circles and routines just to get amongst it a little more. You with me tonight, church? Come on, I I think this is going to be a simple message, 
But if you would take this on, I think it will have a profound effect because I feel it's prophetic. I'm burdened with this message today. I really am. You know, Jesus, like I said, he, he was constantly concerned with the affairs and the state of the masses. And he taught and he recruited and he, and, and he showed his disciples the masses. And he pointed them towards them all the time. And friend, I want to not only see the masses, but I want, I want there to be such a burden in my heart. You see, what I want to go on to speak on in, in a moment is, is a journey I've been on because I, well, the masses for me, thousands of people getting reached for Christ was a nice kind of rally cry and, and I felt like it was what I needed to be about. But it was, wasn't something that my heart ached over. It wasn't something that burdened me. Well, I didn't lay awake at night thinking, ah, and then it's not until I pushed into God and say, God, wreck me for the masses. God, I want to look at people in the eye and I want to see the darkness in their life and the darkness around them so much so that I would be compelled to do something, say something, even brush up against them. And friend, my issue was I, I was never really burdened with it. I never broke routine in my life to get amongst it. And therefore I felt that something inside of me was lost. I shared this morning that the issue of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15 wasn't that just that there was a son lost from the house, but there was a son lost in the house. And there's a great danger, there's a huge danger of not only people being lost from the house, but people being lost in the house. And so here I was crying out to God, God, show me, give me a vision, wreck me, help me see people as you see them. And friend, that's what I've been praying over you as a church, that you would see the state of your city. And when I say see it, I mean feel it. That you'd be wrecked by it. And I want to talk about that. Romans chapter 9 and verse 1, if you've got a Bible, if you're able to go there in, in, in your electronic device and... All those who've got paper Bibles, just wave a hand at me. Yeah, a couple of people still committed to the paper. I like it. Come on. Any, any electronic versions out there? See the light? It's nice. I like it. Awesome. Romans chapter 9 and verse 1, because if you don't see it yourself, you mightn't believe me. Romans chapter 9 verse 1. This is Paul with a burden for the people he's called to reach. This is, this is where we should be. And I want to show you, I'm going to show you in a moment how to get to this point. But let me show you the inside of a man who sees and feels the burden for his people. Romans chapter 9 verse 1 to 3, it says, I speak the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience confirms it through the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my people, those of my own race. Can you take a moment and hear how burdened this man is? When I read this, and even when I read it this weekend, I thought, oh God, I've, I've got to drill into purpose at a greater depth. Because... Listen to the words of the apostle. Yeah, I speak the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience confirms it through the Holy Spirit. 
I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my people, those of my own race. And he goes on in verse 4 to say, these, his own race, the people of Israel. Friend, I, I don't know about you, but there's a challenge inside that scripture that it makes me think, man, I don't, something's missing in my life. Because I don't, I'm, I'm not even, I'm, I hope I'm getting close to that point of saying, God, I'm breaking on the inside to see their salvation. But Paul takes it one step further. He says, even I wish, if I could get cut off from Christ, I mean, that is unthinkable for a man to feel so deeply for a people to be one. He says, even if I need to be cursed and cut off from Christ to see these people one, so let it be. He's, friend, he's desperate. And I don't know if we're desperate enough I don't know if we're desperate enough. You know, when, when you're not desperate, there's a tendency to, to forget and wander from the urgency, to get into routine, to miss opportunities. And I want to take you through a passage of Scripture right now that will show us what it means to live this way, to get this way, to live this way, ongoing with Christ. You know, I, um, a little while ago, I was reading through um, Luke chapter 6, if you want to turn there in your Bible. It's my own devotion time, and after something I heard in a sermon, I just went to reading this, and, and I thought, God, is so much growing for me to do in this, and I want to share it with you today. And if I can ask Ben to come up and help me preach, and Play on the keys. Just don't mess my sermon up. It's going good so far, right? That's good. Thanks. Yeah, no pressure. Just don't mess this up. If you guys don't like the sermon from here on in, it's him, all right? Thanks. Awesome. You know, what would it take to, to have a church or be a people of God that concerned. And Paul goes on to say, even if I were cursed and cut off from Christ, to see these people one. Luke chapter 6, verse uh, 20 on. It says, Then he lifted up his eyes towards his disciples and said, Blessed are you poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you shall be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when men hate you, and when they exclude you and revile you and cast out your name as evil. For the Son of Man's sake, rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for indeed your reward is great in heaven. For in like manner their fathers did to the prophets. Verse 24 says this, But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full, for you shall hunger. 
Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all men speak well of you, for you did, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. You know, I, I read through this and started thinking the first set of blessed are you poor and for yours is the kingdom of God and blessed are you hunger now. Blessed are you weep. So I had to think to myself, that doesn't, in, in, in our modern economy, in our Western way of thinking, just doesn't seem right to be poor and mourn and weep and hunger and in fact, the second lot of things, but woe to you who are rich and woe to you who are full and you laugh now and men speak well of you. You see, because I, what I've come to realize, friend, to, to reach people in our city, it's going to take people speaking ill of us. It's just how this thing plays out. Not everybody sees your good intentions and, and wants to hear your good news and, and wants to be interrupted in their day to have a conversation. And before long, they start speaking ill of the church. But God says, if you're willing to get that uncomfortable, blessed are you. If you're willing to get un interrupt the world of another that much because you break on the inside just to speak to them, just to care for them enough that they would see your light and give glory to your Father in heaven. He says, blessed are you. I'll put heaven behind that. I'll back that. It's what it takes. But what about poor and weeping and hungry? You know what I've come to learn about a poor person as Jesus was speaking about it then? The Bible says in Luke chapter 6 that he turned his disciples towards him. And he was teaching them at this point. And he says, blessed are you who are poor. This is what the disciples would have understood when he said that. You see, a, per, a poor person has no ability to fulfill their own need and desire. They had to beg for what they needed. And friends, some of us, and it goes on in verse 24, it says, But woe to you who are rich. But a rich person has the ability within themselves to fulfill their need to stop the ache within themselves. He says, woe to you. Friend, I've come to realize to live like, like, like Paul the apostle did where, where, where you're saying, God, anything, I'll do anything. Lord, Lord, I, I don't really want this, but even if it meant being cut off myself just to reach people, let it be, God. I've, I've come to discover to live that way, to truly feel that way. I've got to be like a poor person before God. I've got to continuously beg my God, God, I petition you today like I did yesterday, like I did just a few hours ago. God, I've just walked through the mall here. I've just walked through the university and I've seen their faces. They don't know the, the, their, their destiny. They don't know what it, what's, what's awaiting for them if they don't know you, God. God, I beg you today, send fire on this place. Let them consume their hearts, God. I beg you, God, touch your life today. God, I beg you, my family. 
family. Lord, if they don't come to know you, how will they know, God, unless I go? Lord, bless me as I go. Friend, like a poor person. And he says, blessed are you. Some of us right now, our, our capacity to meet our own needs has actually made us numb. See, it's blessed are you hunger now, for you'll be filled. See, a, a hungry person has a singular focus. There's pain inside a hungry person. A hungry person seeks after. A hungry person can't be distracted off the hunger. I mean, people are talking to you, but all you can think about is how you desire and long for. No matter what the day brings and even highs, great celebrations and great lows, all you can think about is I'm still unsatisfied. Still unsatisfied. You know, a couple of months ago, my, my son got really sick. I've got a two-year-old son. He turns three in, in a week or so, and he got really sick. We came later to find there was pneumonia. And, but you know what some of the early signs were? It really alarmed me, and I thought, man, I've got to take this kid to a and &E. It's just been too long. I, I knew... He was really sick because he stopped eating. And when you lose your hunger, you're unwell. Something's not right in your life. Something's not right in your life if you're not hungry. When, I, when my son lost his appetite, he turned away food, thought something's not right. And through the experience, of course, God just ministered to me and said, when you're not hungry, you're not right. And he says, blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be filled. Friend, in reaching our city, I'm, I'm not talking about gimmicks and lines to remember. And I'm talking about you hungering now talking about you hungering now. He says, blessed are you who weep. You go, well, how was that? Blessed. You know what I've come to discover is that those who weep before God know something special about Him, have encountered Him in a significant way in spiritual way. You know, I can think of the numerous times that I've cried in an experience with God. It's always because I've understood something about the grace of God and His forgiveness or, or He's touched my life in such a way that it's not just emotions. I, I just feel like He's healing something. I remember coming out of the waters of baptism and not being able to contain myself, just weeping weeping and weeping because I felt the weight of sin lift off me and I felt the intimacy of the Holy Spirit and nothing, nothing else mattered at that moment and I wept. I wept. Friend, those who weep 
are encountering God, know something special about Him. Are you still encountering God? Is God still encountering you? I'm not saying you have to cry. What I am saying is, are you connecting with God in such a way that things of this world start to get right perspective and you start to realize, you, you start to live with a sense of fear and, but also urgency. Blessed are you who weep now. You know that second lot of things from verse 24 in Luke chapter 6 says, but woe to you who are rich for you've received your consolation. Woe to you who are full for you shall hunger. Woe to you who laugh now for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when men speak well of you. So do the fathers of the false prophets. Look, I'm not saying it's wrong to be rich and laugh and be well fed, but when those things rob you of living in such a way where there's urgency and, and hunger, and then you're in a dangerous place. Are you with me tonight, church? Yeah. When, when those things begin to rob you of your sense of sensitivity and hunger, and, and when you no longer see the mission of Christ as, as urgent, then woe to you is what Christ is saying. Friend, I, it helps me most when I, to get back into that place again when I think of family, my personal family, like mom and dad and, and the rest, because it helps me get there a lot quicker. And right now, some of you, you just need to remember who's close to you but far from God. Maybe that'll help bring the urgency back into your prayer life. and Maybe that'll cause you to make a few more phone calls this week and organize a lunch or dinner or plan some holiday activity around them in order to brush up against them. Look unto the fields, they're white unto harvest. This is the day of salvation. Come on, there's got to be that kind of confidence and urgency, but also hunger and poverty where you're begging God for what's required. Friend, I believe that God has a vision to see your family, my family, this city one. And there's nothing wrong with the harvest. It's not like the enemy's got some death grip on it. But he's not releasing it to the church. And it's not like we got some subpar gospel that can't do the work. No, he says, no, it's the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. He says, look and pray unto the Lord of the harvest. It's his harvest. It doesn't belong to the enemy. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, he says, All authority in heaven and in earth has been given to me. It's all stacked in our favor. There's nothing wrong with the harvest. I feel that there could be something wrong with us and how we approach it and how we think about it and how we live. Maybe we're too full. Maybe we're, we're not 
we're not poor enough. Maybe we're not begging enough. Maybe there's no sense of urgency. Maybe the issue is with us. Just maybe. Maybe it's us. Maybe it's you. Maybe it's me. A friend tonight, I, I want to call your faith out. You know, I, I think of blessed of you. It says here, blessed are you when men hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for indeed your reward is great in heaven. You know, I think that I've been guilty of thinking, man, I want to be so relatable and show them how normal I am just like them. I just want to show them how I live a normal, ordinary life, but I've got this incredible passion for Jesus on the side. And, and while those motives aren't wrong, it's got to come to the point where relational evangelism, friendship evangelism doesn't end with just friendship and relationship. But we put in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And your testimony is good for you and it's good for them to hear your testimony. But the gospel of Jesus Christ is not your testimony. It's His testimony. Him being God and not needing to come and die a sinner's death. The gospel is, is them knowing that Jesus Christ was, was on the throne and didn't need to come down in a lowly way like He did and be subject to a human body like He was. But He did because He had a vision for your salvation, their salvation. I know that you know your testimony and you've, you've recited it and you've learned it and you can say it in two minutes, but do you know His testimony? The gospel, which is the power of God unto salvation for anyone who believes. They need to know that their sin puts them at enmity with the God of creation, the one who can destroy the body and soul. They need to know that their sin is storing up for them wrath one day. They need to know this. They need to know that God came down in response to our sin dilemma. And He died on the cross for you and me. That we can have an answer when we came and realized that we are at enmity with God. That we're enemies of the God of this universe. And when we realize that, as a work of His grace, that we would make a response and receive His Son and receive His salvation. They need to know that He came so that we could have that opportunity, that they could have that opportunity. They need to know it, friend. Because that's the power, the truth that was in, that's in there is the truth that sets captive hearts free. They need to know that He died on the cross and was buried and rose again and won the victory over death and sin. They need to know it. They need to know it. 
Friend, you've got to understand that your testimony is one thing, but the gospel is his testimony. And within that is the power of God unto salvation for anyone who believes. It's the power of God unto salvation. I remember standing in my home as a, as a 15 year old boy and I had, had gone off the rails and was involved in all sorts of stuff and I was more than willing to walk away from Christ. It was a conscious effort of mine to walk away from Christ. And I remember standing in my living room and my dad speaking to me, he was a Christian at the time, speaking to me and he said, he spoke into me and he said, Byron, you know what you're doing is wrong. And you will stand judged one day. And he spoke the gospel into my heart. And on the exterior, I was hard and frustrated and angry towards him. But in my heart, the power of God invaded my life. And it broke my shackles from the inside out. So that today I'd stand free. Free, friend. That's the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. I'm crying out to you today. Our, our nation, our city needs God. Blessed are you when they speak ill of you because you were that honest about the gospel. Blessed are you when you're that open and that honest about the gospel of Jesus Christ. When men hate you and revile you and speak ill of your name, blessed are you because they did the same about your forefathers. It's what the Scripture says. They did the same with Jesus. They hated Him. They spoke ill of His name. They whipped Him. They abused Him. They hated Him. But He did it anyway. He did it anyway. Friend, I'm so challenged to challenge you to live this life. This is the Christian life. This is the Christian life. And this evening, I can't help but appeal to your hearts and say God wants to reach this city. He wants to use your life. But some of us need to change because right now all the woe scriptures in there apply to us because we're full, we're content, we're rich, we're complacent. But there's an urgency in the heart of God. I feel it so deeply. There's an urgency in the heart of God to reach your family, my family, this city, our nation. Friend, I pray the Spirit of God is touching your heart tonight, challenging you, provoking you. Because this is what it's going to take. Not more music, not more lights. This stuff is awesome. I'm not against it. But still, 90% of the city is still out there. Not wanting to come in here to hear this gospel. But we're about to send, what, a hundred odd people out tonight who know the gospel, who are hungry, 
who are poor, who are weeping. We're about to send those types of people out. That tells me that we're ready to take a nation for Jesus Christ. You with me tonight? Anybody hungry tonight? Come on, in your spirit, are you hungry tonight, church? Come on, do you feel a sense of poverty in your life? Like you don't have it all. Do you feel that tonight? Like you don't have it all. Do you feel it? Do you feel like weeping for the state of our city, for the state of our university, for the state of our nation? Do you feel like weeping? Why don't you stand on your feet with me tonight and let me minister this into this environment. Friend, if in, in any way I've been able to minister the Word of God into your heart and you feel like tonight it's time for you to push out and abandon the old ways and maybe some sense of prosperity. I'm not talking about what you have and what you don't have, but in your heart there's a sense of yeah, I've got what it takes to get through. And that's robbed you of a poverty of heart that says, God, I need to beg you. Or maybe you're full, you've been full. But you now realize that as a disease, as an illness. Would you reach out to God tonight? Just maybe by lifting your hands, opening your hands in front of you. I've got two kids and, and anytime I see them opening their hands in front of me, as a father, my heart rushes to them because that's just their way of telling me, Dad, I'm tired, I'm sick, I'm insecure, I'm afraid. And I always, always respond in that moment by bringing them close. Friend, do you need to come close to him tonight? Why don't you open up your heart? I'm just going to give you a moment in this environment for God to minister to you. start of a hunger forming in some people. Thank you, God. Since there's a weeping because of just that some people are just realizing an aspect of God that you've forgotten. sense right now. It's taking place right now. That sense is a, a sense of people getting a, oh man, I don't have what it takes. 
kind of spiritual poverty that just says, oh, I, somebody else has what I need. God, you have what I need. It's just that taking place right now. Friend, there's just a significant moment in God right now. Father, I pray over Equippers Church to meet him. God, for the sake of the people in our lives and the sake of this city and this nation, God, and the nations of this world, God, I pray that we'd remain hungry and, and poor and open before you. God, we repent of how we've come to satisfying our own hunger and satisfying our own needs and being preoccupied with our own destiny, being preoccupied with our own lives. God, tonight we say we're sorry. And God, I want to know something special about you tonight again. It would keep me tender and fearful and urgent. Tender and fearful and urgent. I just prophesy over you as a church that you'd be a church, a people who are tender, fearful, and urgent. You'd live with an urgency and a tenderness, with a compassion that's deep. But you'll you live with the fear of God that would that wouldn't that, that, that would mean that you, you wouldn't be fearful about what they think about you. Your fear would be towards God and, and his holiness and his righteousness. Thank you, God for this church right here. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You know, I'm gonna invite the worship team back to come and minister to us, but you know, I think there just needs to be one more response in this place. And I, Pastor Will may do more. Actually, I might get him to come up real soon, but I, I just feel to go here. There are people here tonight who you're starting to sense the, the beginnings of a pretty radical call in God. You're starting to sense this. It's like, oh, oh my goodness, I'm, a, I'm about, I feel like I'm going to abandon everything towards Christ. And I don't know, it might just be one person, might be a few, but, but I just sense you need to come to the front and, and I want to pray with you. Because I, I, some people are going to lay down some big things. And God may or may not ask you to pick it up again. 
And I, I feel like there's just a sense of, you, you'll know, I, there are people who just don't get it tonight, but I think you know if that's you. And I want to pray with you tonight. So team, why don't you take us into this worship song? And if that's you, friend, I'd, I'm waiting for you up the front.